0: Well, good afternoon, church family. Uh, It is once again Wednesday. Uh, We find ourselves in the middle of May, May 12th of 2021. And we have the opportunity once again to open up the word of God together. But before we do, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, today. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your eternal word, uh, which uh, will always uh, do that which it is sent to do uh, in our lives. And we thank you for the ability to study and ask that you would just guide us today as we take a look at this next section in Psalm 119. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we begin uh, the uh, third to last section in Psalm 119. It's been... A, uh, a long but beautiful journey as we've taken a look at different aspects in relation to the Word of God. Uh, this section is entitled uh, Resh in Your Bible, uh, as we take a look at that Hebrew letter. Uh, and I've entitled this section, God's Word is the Source of My Life. So let's begin by reading uh, this section, Raish in its entirety, as we look at verses 153 to 160. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands." Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Well, today we're going to take a look at uh, four of those verses that I just read. Uh, And so let's begin by taking a look at verses 153 and 154. Verse 153 says, look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. This is a theme that we've seen repeated throughout Psalm 119, and it's something that uh, we need to see as a reminder to us because persecution is a harsh reality of living the Christian life. That no matter uh, how we end up finding uh, each of our days unfolding, if we are truly living uh, for the Lord, if we are not forgetting his law, if we are living in such a way that honors him and glorifies God, then we will find uh, very quickly that we will be persecuted as a result of that. And the psalmist says, he says, look on my affliction. Uh, God, consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. If we take a look just in, in very uh, quick form uh, of two passages uh, in the New Testament, we can see that persecution is a harsh reality. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So there's no uh, exception in here. If we live a godly life in a godless world, then we will find we will be persecuted as a result because God's word, God's law speaks the truth. It does not lie. It does not sugarcoat. It does not uh, speak uh, wrongly to everything pertaining to this life. And so if we desire to live a godly life in 2021 and we do so in the power of our Savior, Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. John fifteen eighteen through twenty says, "If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you." And this is Jesus speaking. Verse nineteen says, "If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you." Remember the word that I said to you: a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. See, we even see Jesus pointing out very clearly that he is the one who chose us out of the world. He took us out of that godless, faithless uh, existence that was ours prior to putting our faith and trust in him and him alone. And the fact is, is he chose us out of the world. And because we're not like the world any longer, because we are desiring to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, he says, the world is going to hate you. And we see this in the life of the psalmist. He says, you know, uh, God, consider my affliction, look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. See, Christians live by a biblical standard and the world lives by a self-centered standard. Christians are motivated out of a love for God and his ways, whereas the world is motivated by a love of sin and self. And so this is a reality. This is something that will be part of our lives until that day which God takes and brings us home. Well, he goes on in verse 154 to say, "Uh, "'Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise.'" The first thing to note here in verse 154 is the fact that the psalmist looks for his help outside of himself. He doesn't look inside internally. He doesn't uh, look for his help uh, in, in something other than God himself. He knows that, th- that God is the one that needs to plead his case. And the language here uh, in verse 154 is that of a courtroom scene, a courtroom language. Uh, Reminding us of of what has been said in uh, previous scriptures, including Psalm 35, 1, where it says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Uh, Because the psalmist at this point, as he finds himself again in affliction, asking God to deliver him, is also saying, in, in coupling with this, to plead my cause and redeem me, to give me life according to your promise. See, at this moment, the psalmist needs an advocate. He needs a redeemer. And it reminded me of of, of many scriptures, which I will only share a couple with you. Uh, 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Because Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is the one who pleads our case before the Father uh, in, in, in the face of the accuser himself, which is Satan. Uh, and he lets the Father know that this one belongs to me, Jesus Christ, the one who is the righteous Son of God, the one who is the advocate before the Father. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, uh, Paul in his letter to the Church of Colossae frames it this way uh, in verses 13 and 14. He says, and you Who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by doing this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross." So as the psalmist is is speaking to having God plead his cause and redeem him, we see the exact same language in uh, the New Testament as we realize exactly what Christ accomplished when he died on the cross because he canceled our debt because he took our place. And all the legal demands that that requires, which those legal demands come from the very justice and the righteousness and the holiness of God against us because of our rebellion. Because we were faithless and we did not remember God's law. Instead, we trampled it under our feet. And one other place is in Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verses 23 to 25, where it speaks about the uh, the priests of old and is speaking about Jesus being the great high priest. And notice what it says here. It says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in the office. In other words, they only lived so long, and so therefore another priest would have to take their place. Well, Jesus is not like this uh, because it says in verse 24, but he holds his priesthood permanently, because he is the eternal son of God. There needs not be another priest because he is the great high priest who made uh, the final sacrifice because that sacrifice was himself. Uh, It says, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So again, we see another uh, picture here as Jesus Christ, the great high priest who is able to save to the uttermost is the one who makes intercession. He is our advocate before the father. He is the one who redeems. And it is our advocate and redeemer, the one that the scriptures speak as the word in the gospel of John, uh, which gives us life. He is the source. So he says, Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Now, this is not the first time we've seen this phrase either, as we've taken a look on this journey through Psalm 119. But this section is going to be the last. And we're actually going to see repeated three times this call for God to give the psalmist life. Back in verse 25 of Psalm 119, it says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Verse 88, in your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. And verse 149, verse 149, Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O oh Lord, according to your justice. Give me life. And right here in verse 154, and we'll see uh, as well in verse 156, uh, and at the end uh, in verse, and I'm not going to remember right off the top of my head, uh, which verse that is. Oh, verse 159. Give me life according to your steadfast love. So three times we're going to see the psalmist in this section as he's praying to God calling on him to see his affliction and to deliver him to be the one who is his advocate and his redeemer, to give him life because God is the one who gives life. And he gives it through his word, through his ways, through his justice, uh, through his righteousness uh, and steadfast love that he shows to those who belong to him. And then verses 155 and 156, uh, we see... Here uh, it says uh, something that the psalmist has also pointed out is that salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. See, the wicked have no desire for God or his word because it is foolishness to them. Um, Psalm 10 verse 4 says, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are there is no God. See, because salvation is far from the wicked because their sin and their choices actually draw them farther and farther away from God and his salvation. And we can see that very clearly in the book of Romans chapter 3. And I'd like to read a few of those verses to you. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, In verse 10, it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, and they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, and they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and in the path are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known because there is no fear of God before their eyes. Notice the difference. There is a fear in the eyes of the psalmist for God and his word, a fear out of reverence and awe, because he is the God who gives life. Whereas those that are wicked, those who continue by their choices uh, and their sin to go farther and farther away from God, uh, the psalmist is one who has a love for God. And he speaks this by uh, closing out here in verse one fifty six. He says, "Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules." Great is the mercy of God. First Peter one three says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." according to god's great mercy see that's because jesus is not only our redeemer but he is our advocate and that is a mercy of god lamentations 3 22 and 23 say the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness and even today church family we experience the mercies of god each and every day because they're new every morning and so may the god whose word is the source of our lives the the one who shows us uh, our need of a savior that gives us eternal life through jesus christ our lord be what guides you through this day let's bow in a closing word of prayer father we thank you for the fact that your word is the source of our life Uh, that we can see how you uh, worked in the the heart and the mind and the life of the psalmist as he penned these words uh, many, many years ago, uh, that he understood his need for an advocate and a redeemer. Uh, And today we too can appreciate uh, the fact that Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is our redeemer, redeemer. He is our savior. And so, Father, give us the ability to live as those who have been redeemed, as those that can rest in the uh, faithfulness of uh, the one true God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, church family, for joining us on this Wednesday uh, afternoon. And I uh, have a great week, and Lord willing, we'll see you this coming Sunday.